Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. More info and opinions on Big Red than one station can handle. Now on two stations, Big Red Overreaction Postgame on 1620 The Zone and 1019 The K. Sound off. 402-951-1620. Big Red Overreaction is sponsored by Burton AC Heating, Plumbing, and more. When your plumbing's hurting, just call Burton. Equitable Bank. We take banking personally. And Coors Light. Keeping Nebraska chill. Kaliak Manis fakes. He's got time. Stands in the pocket. Downfield. Jackson's open. Makes the catch. He has unlocked the vertical passing game for Minnesota. He did, and that was one of the differences uh, in the game. It's when Nebraska, Ty Robinson fell, uh, well, sacked pretty hard. Tanner Morgan at the end of the second quarter. Turned it over to Ethan Kaliak Manis, and he came in was just a little bit more dynamic. And Minnesota's offense woke up in the second half. Um, 300 total yards in the game for Minnesota, and in the second half, it was uh, 269 of those. So, yeah, Nebraska had a really, really good first half on defense and then loosened up a little bit in half number two. Uh, Big Red Overreaction brought to you by Equitable Bank, where we take banking personally. Connor Happer and John Bishop with you. We head back to the phones on the Lesso's Harley-Davidson hotline. That's where we get to Mike. Hi, Mike. Go ahead. Hi, guys. Woo. Good show. Hi. Thank you. Uh, Coming in hot. I think, it was, I think it was John that had the keys there on Friday. And one of the things he said was, uh, I'm not sure how many plays, but I think they must have had 70 plays on offense. Um, Who, Minnesota? Go. Yeah. Uh, they ran 65. 65? Yep. Ibrahim came up with, well, 130, 140 yards. Uh, 128 on 32 carries. Yeah. It just seems like the defense, you know, the second half, 20 points and a half. I don't know if they've done that yet this year, especially in the second half. But I think they were just worn out, and, you know, he just kept pounding it and pounding it, even with the sore ankle. Um, but getting getting to Mickey, I don't know if you can keep Mickey. And what's he going to do for a staff? I mean, That's most, a big question. most coaches that come in are going to have their guys, you know, and they're, they, they're a mesh. But Mickey goes to get new coaches, and these guys don't know each other. And, you know, I, I don't know if I'd, I'd be for him staying as a recruiter and, and receivers coach if, if the new guy would, would let him do it. I mean, I like Mickey, but I just don't know if he's ready to coordinate all that stuff. That's a great point Thanks you make. And I, Thanks, I, said, I said as much on Friday to Josh uh, that – if I could, if I could ask for one thing that I know that Mickey would do as head coach, it would be who can you hire as a staff? Who would your first staff be? And the point you just made about 
you know, who, who, he, who he's going to find. A lot of people, especially established coaches, have a pretty good idea. I just saw a graphic where, you know, Lance Leipold's had the same offensive and defensive coordinators at his last two stops. He knows exactly what he wants and, and who he would hire for that job. Mickey's never been in this spot before. Yeah. Does who does he have on the hook? You have to or find is a, this, it, yeah. Or is this a a search from starting from ground zero scratch, yeah. where you're trying to identify, right? And then how do you handle that? Because I again I I think that I think Nebraska handled the hiring of the new assistants this year very awkwardly. I mean, Mickey was the first hire, then you get Whipple, and then then you get Donnie, and then Applewhite comes along later. But how much say did Whipple have in this? Right. And if you're a CEO coach who has never been a coordinator before and isn't necessarily, you know, shaping the offense in his image, well, then you need to hire a coordinator and then let that coordinator figure out who he wants after that. So so knowing what you want and then being able to identify that right person and then let them go out and get the people that they need to execute the job. It's if it's starting from ground zero, which I think it probably is. Yeah. You know, you you may not get necessarily what you want. So that that's one of the risks you run when you hire a coach like Mickey, who has never been a head coach before and doesn't necessarily have that background of, you know, what he wants. Now, maybe he does have a plan. That's tough. I, but we don't know this. It's tough because you, you want, you know, what Scott Frost did when he came here was he brought his entire staff. And I think we we sort of touted him for the idea of continuity and, and what that would mean for his staff. And it turned out that some of those coaches just weren't good enough. Um, but you know, so you have to find the right blend. If you, if you would be building a staff from scratch of who, continuity, what do you, you know, what are you going to get? What's your vision for the program? And then, you know, some different sort of personalities and recruiting figures on the staff as well. That is a tough thing to do from scratch. So while we, I, I think we, we get on coaches all the time, John, for the idea of like, well, they didn't fire this guy quick enough and you know they were too loyal um the continuity still means something <laughs> like yes that still means something so you have to have a little bit of that um on your staff that would be i mean that would be really really interesting and you just don't know the answer to it we we just have no idea what it would be um for yeah. mickey joseph uh, we, next- we can sit here and say hey we 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 think he can hire a great staff and yeah. we think he would hire you know coaches who would go out and and recruit really well and coach really well but he, because he's never done it before we don't even have a pattern of behavior of what necessarily he would do uh back to the phones it is Isaac on the Lessos Harley Davidson hotline on Big Red Overreaction brought to you by Burton when you're plumbing certain just call Burton hi Isaac go ahead are you you guys got me yeah all right then uh I have two notes that I'd like to make, and it's one about Mickey. And for me, Mickey not having ever been a coordinator before is a real concern to me. So I've helped out with my local D2 program, so I have some idea how it's structured at a higher level. And a coordinator, you're in charge of the whole offense. You not you have your position as well sometimes, but you also help out with the you make sure everybody's doing their job as the coordinator position. And that's what he'd be doing as a head coach. But we have no nothing from him as an offensive coordinator that would give us any indication that he can do that, that he could be a CEO-type head coach because he's never done any managing with multiple positions 
beyond his own wide receiver group. And then my second point is that I want to know how good is the Nebraska job in reality? Because Lincoln Journal Star came out with that list, and I have no idea if that's real or not. But from that, that makes me sound like the people we wanted did not uh, did not like did not want to come here. But the way college football is shaping up with the two super conferences, Nebraska should be at worst the thirty second best job in college football because we'll be making triple what those Pac-12 schools and those Big 12 schools will be making. And I definitely think we're a better job than Illinois, Vanderbilt, those kind of schools. So the other thing, too, is is how good is the how good you guys think the job is in reality. Because I think it's pretty good, but based on these lists, and the, I know there are rumors and that sort of stuff, is it, I don't like some of the lists, and that kind of makes me worried for the future of Nebraska football. Thanks yeah. for taking my call. Thanks, Isaac. Appreciate the call. I mean, Nebraska's a good job. It's just you, you got to ultimately find a, a, a person to, to say, well, you have to identify it first. You, that's why the search happens. You identify what you're looking for, what type of person you want, and the, the boxes that Trev Alberts is trying to check. And then you, you – you offer them a, a job, pay them enough money, and you hope that they say yes. Like I, I don't like I don't see anything um, on its face that would preclude, um, you know, that that would be like this huge deterrent for the Nebraska job outside of the fact that it's it, it's a fishbowl and whatever. But you know, there's a lot of places in college football that are like that. This is a good job in my opinion, um, and because of the resources and the fan support and and all of that stuff and. You just ultimately got to get a yes. Like, I don't know. It's it, We can't complicate it too much. No, we can't. Um, you know, I've kind of used the same logic as the caller in that, yeah, at least it's top 32 based on the, the SEC and the Big Ten separating themselves. Um, though I would argue there's probably some lower level, you know, Vandy-type Rutgers-type jobs that might not be as good as uh, Cincinnati is currently um, because – you know, of a variety of different factors, but I still think Nebraska is a top 20, top 25 ish job. Yeah. But one of the things that holds it back and, and, and sometimes we just look at those rankings or, or these made up rankings that we come up with. I think like the current modern status of the game, it's tiered, right? So just because you might be, let's say just for argument's sake, let's just say Nebraska is the 15th best job in the country. Let's just throw out that number. Well, guess what? The top tier Alabama, probably Texas, uh, Ohio State, USC, you know, those types of jobs is a tier. There's there's probably there's greater separation yes. between the top tier and the second tier and maybe the third tier than there is, you know, from spots 15 to 25 or 25 to 50, because those jobs are so much better than everyone else's. Still, though, it is a good job. But you're, you're, you're always going to be dealing with the same objections. And that's why I was hoping through this coaching search, we would get a better idea of just how good this job is. Because this was supposed to be, or, or we hope it is, a truly national search to find out, all right, what, what kinds of coaches are 
attracted to this job because we know that the recruiting base is not huge. And we know that, you know, Nebraska is looking up at Ohio State and Michigan and soon we'll be looking up at USC and maybe UCLA, not to mention, you know, falling behind some of the teams in their geographic footprint of the Wisconsin's and the Iowa's. We know all of the disadvantages. We also know, obviously, all of the advantages. And I'm, I was hoping through this process we would get a good idea of just where Nebraska is and how coaches today, because that really is ultimately what matters, right? It's what players and prospective coaches today yep. think of Nebraska. Not what we think, not what media thinks, not what fans think, but what the people who are actually going to have influence over how a program is developed and how well a program does – what do they think? What do players across the country think of Nebraska? What do coaches who might come here think of Nebraska? That's the rankings that really matter, not anything that we throw out there. Yeah, I mean that's it. And and so that's on your athletic director to to I mean not cast the wet the net out too wide, um, but also you know shoot for the moon maybe a couple times. And I don't know. I, and according back to the list of names that he was talking about. I don't know that that's necessarily happened, um, but we'll, you know, it's about the results and we'll see what Nebraska can come up with on this thing. A uh, couple more before we get you out of here on Big Red Overreaction brought to you by Coors Light, keeping Nebraska chill. Uh, Jack's next. Hi, Jack. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, going back to that last point you were just talking about, John, kind of playing devil's advocate. Um, you know, we always hear about, you know, what's holding the, the program back in terms of, you know, how it's not good as, as other jobs. But wouldn't it – and this is just kind of a general question, but wouldn't it be kind of refreshing to have a head coach who is like, you know, I don't care what the drawbacks are because the the positive uh, – to be a positive boy, the positives of the job are X, Y, and Z. And to actually have somebody come into the job with some kind of enthusiasm instead of, you know, always hearing from a head coach about what's holding the job back or – you know, God, I have to travel so much to recruit and, you know, all that other stuff. Um, but anyway, you know who on, you're I talking about you there? Guys. You know who you're talking about there? Well, I'm like, from what I've heard so far. No, no, no. I, I, it's a rhetorical question. The person you're talking about there, Dave Van Horn. Dave Van Horn came into Nebraska with that attitude with baseball. I know it's a different sport, but it's the same thing because, you know, recruiting disadvantages, Northern school, all this other stuff. Dave Van Horn did not come in here, you know, bemoaning the recruiting disadvantages or any of the other disadvantages or being a Northern school. He just went out there and busted his hump and it was as positive as possible. So it's a great point that you make because we saw it happen here 20 years ago in baseball with Dave Van Horn. Yeah. Well, and it even seems like, you know, at least, I don't know, the last three head coaches, you know, obviously with Pelini and the rant he went on, um, not so much with Riley, but even, you know, Scott Frost, his opening press conference, what was the first thing he said? Hey, I know how Nebraska football is, and I know it's the, the only show in town. Like, stay away from my family and don't do this, don't do that. And I'm like, I, I, it would just be so refreshing to have a head coach come in and be like, yeah, we are the only show in town. That's amazing. Um, we're in the Big Ten. We're going to get $50 million a year from you know the TV rights deal. That's amazing. We have new facilities. That's amazing. Look what I can do. Um, yeah. But I just wanted to ask you guys a couple questions real quick. I know with the, the rumors and the news this week, do you think um, that finalists have been made or even maybe a, a, a decision has been made on you know who they're going to offer? 
I do not believe a decision has been made. No. I, I believe that they what happened this week is probably uh, uh, an update of sorts, basically, and a, and a paring down of, of names or something of the sort like that. I don't, I don't think a name has been selected, but that's just my opinion. I believe okay. that that Trev has a few uh, uh, has narrowed his list of candidates down. Yep. And if he doesn't get yeses from the guys from the outside, then the job will be Mickey's. That's my opinion. Yeah, it just seems to me that the longer this goes on without really getting a, a concrete update, it seems like the a diminishing chance that Mickey's going to be the head coach. But that's my opinion. Um, and it just. It's kind of a, an interesting gray area to be in as a program because I think we see things with Mickey as a head coach to where it's almost like you have a floor, and I know that's a bad word around here because you don't know you hit rock bottom until you've actually hit it, but <laughs> that there's actually a floor that I think we can build on in terms of you know people who have committed already and um, you know his sphere of influence being at LSU and, and kind of who he knows with his brother in the NFL world. And so you can kind of go galaxy brain in terms of the staff that he maybe could put together. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I, me personally, I would just rather, you know, kind of do that rather than have somebody come in and, and just kind of have another general blow up, you know, have to tear the thing down to build it back up again. So, Hey Jack, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Here's the thing, man. And we go back to Scott Frost on this and, and not all of it is, is just, course correcting from the last hire you make or trying to think about the mistakes that were made along the way. But Nebraska's got to get, and this is on Jack's first point, Nebraska's got to get a coach that wants to be here, sees the job for the positives like John was talking about, like Dave Van Horn did. But it can't be a situation where it was, where with Scott Frost, it felt like it was sort of pulling teeth just to, you know, to get him out of UCF. And he had so many concerns about the job coming in, and not that you have to be blind to this, whoever the next coach is coming in, there's an understanding of it, but yes, the the next coach has to want to be here. I mean, that it might sound simple to say, but it's a really, really important point. That guy has got to want to be here. And I and you know, it <laughs> and it played out sort of that way. Scott Frost, did he want to? I it was it was tough to get him out of there. And he loved it here. And and he loves Nebraska, but did he want to be here? I, I I like you know you could convince me not, and that that's sort of the issue. Well, yeah, and there's going to be a great book on this someday, or a great story uh, about this because I, I think a lot of well, number one, Scott's biggest problem was he was arrogant um, to a fault, and I think the second biggest problem was he didn't know what it was like to lose and how to react to losing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other problem, and, and this is where the, the story comes in, he's always, he's had this very um, star-crossed, um, you know, on-again, off-again relationship with this state and yes. its fans, going all the way back to when he was a high school athlete and he was recruited and he went to Stanford and, you know, which is why you always got the, I got benched, you know, against Central Florida BS you know, and he tried to use that as, you know, a chip on his shoulder and it was a, a false idol. Um, but there's always been this very complicated relationship between the state of Nebraska, the, the fan base, especially, and Scott Frost, that I think also even 25 years after he left here as a player. He kept with him. He, he kept with it. He kept with it. It was always in the back of his head. And like I said, it'll make a great story someday. 
Uh, to Pete on the Les Hills Harley Davidson on Big Red Overreaction, brought to you by Equitable Bank, where we take banking personally. Hi, uh, let's get him here. Hi, Pete. Go ahead. Hey, how you guys doing? Love the show. A little different perspective here. I'm a Gopher fan on my way back home. I'm driving on I-80. Oh. Uh, enjoyed my time at the game today. It's my first game. Memorial Stadium was awesome. Uh, I've actually been a Husker fan since Thanksgiving Day 1971. Five years old, watching Nebraska take down Oklahoma 35-31. Johnny Rogers, Jeff Kinney, Gary Taggy and the guys. But just want to say... Nebraska so how did you become a Gopher fan <laughs> after that? <laughs> well, that was back. I'm so old. That was back in the day when there was only one game of week on TV, and you guys were so good for so long. Sitting up in Minnesota, we we knew all the Nebraska players and, and, and loved your guys' program. So that red N on the helmet, we knew what that stood for. That was excellent. And coming down today, I had a lot of friends from Minnesota been down to, to the games for years here. And always spoke so highly of the fan base, how welcoming. And I certainly found that today. So just a huge thank you to Nebraskans for the great day. But beyond that, as a Gopher fan, now I'm listening to your discussion on the coaching situation. And um, I'll just offer perspective from a Gopher fan. We sucked for 60 years, from the mid-60s till about 15. We kept swinging, swinging, trying to get the right coach. We finally got it, P.J. Fleck. PJ is a little different. He's PJ, but when you get the right coach, it takes it, everything falls into place. To me, it's sort of like the right quarterback in the NFL. When you get Patrick Mahomes, guess what? You're going to win. And when PJ came in, everything just started changing. So we were 11 and two a couple years ago. Even fans up Minnesota, we're kind of band bandwagony fans up there. It ticks me off, but. Uh, we're six and three now, and you can just tell the quality of the player he's bringing in. They're consistent. Even today, we were struggling at halftime, but the adjustments at halftime, they get stuff done. So I know Nebraska will figure it out. And when you guys do, that loyalty that I saw today 85, 90,000 people in the fans when you guys are struggling, that's a beautiful, powerful thing. So when you get the right coach in here, brother, you guys are going to, you'll be that. He'll be that red end that I grew up with. And, uh, again, I'm, I'm a big fan of you guys. And, uh, again, keep the faith, Husker fans. You guys will be back. Thanks, Pete. Have a safe drive back home. Yeah, that's yeah. a great perspective. I really appreciate it. Though I'm still kind of stunned that, you know, you gave up on Nebraska after the game of the century. <laughs> I mean, it was the greatest game in college football history. But... Yeah, there was no, a... I, all, all kidding aside, I, it's, it is a great perspective, and he's right. You find the right coach. Man, it happens and fast, good doesn't things it? will happen. Tennessee. They, they, they're Tennessee and Nebraska, very much kindred spirits. They both kind of fell on hard times at about the same time. And one has pulled up the nose because they found the right coach. And, you know, yeah. the rest is history. Just something we're going to take. We got one more call. Michael, you're, you're our last guy coming up here in just a second here on Big Red Overreaction, uh, brought to you by Burton. When you're plumbing certain, just call Burton. Um, but there was a conversation sort of going around this week, and it came from Eric Crouch, actually, in the uh, Sports Illustrated article about Mickey Joseph. And he talked about losing a generation of fans. And, and I thought what, what Pete said, you know, from a perspective of a different fan base was, was really important because, yeah, maybe Nebraska lose, is losing right now a generation of fans, or maybe that's already happened. I would argue that, that it has. You know, kids don't pay attention to it the same way that they did or that, you know, I did as a kid growing up, or certainly you did as a kid growing up. It's, it's, it's not the same. There's more options. There's more things to do and there's more college football to watch. 
Um, but if it clicks and when it clicks, they're coming back. <laughs> like, you know, it's and and this, you know, the the support um, you know, will be felt as it, you know, has stayed pretty steady throughout the last 20 years of Nebraska not really living up to expectations or being up to par as a college football program the way we expect them to. But, you know, it, it is it is something to always keep in the back of your mind um, of when it pops, it's it, it's it's going to pop again, and, and the, the support will always be there. I tend to agree with you um, because there isn't another major college football team in the state, and this – Nebraska football has been – has morphed into something more than just football 12 Saturdays out of the year. It's now a cultural event. Yes. It's, it's and, and so from that standpoint, I agree with you. But at the same time, I will be rather curious because this generation has never tasted success. And I, I can only use my boys and their friends as a guide. Neither of my boys care about Nebraska football. No, it's a really good uh, example. That, that's what we're talking and, about. Yeah. Right. And so maybe as they go, grow into adults and and Nebraska gets good, maybe you're right. Maybe because it's the cultural thing, maybe because it's, you know, you want that common bond with the rest of your your neighbors um, that they may come back. But I will be curious to see, you know, what things look like. There's no question, though, for a variety of reasons, not just the lack of success of the team, but for a lot of other reasons. Um, you know, when they go to redoing Memorial Stadium, it's going to be a smaller stadium. Yep. Um, because it's not, you know, 85,000 is no longer sustainable today um, in terms of having a full house. Uh, so, you know, there will have to be adjustments made. But for it to be the cultural phenomena that, um, that we all have grown up with, um, will be it, 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 if it does get turned around, I'll be curious to see how many people my son's age will gravitate back towards it, or if they truly have lost them and it'll be met with, Oh, I didn't ever really care anyway. Hmm. So it'll be interesting. Last call, uh, here on Big Red Overreaction. Uh, it is Michael who's been waiting patiently. Michael, send us home. How are you? I am good. Thank you for taking my call. I love your show. Uh, you. You guys touched on it a little bit that Mickey Joseph, and I'm a Mickey Joseph fan, and I think he should be the head coach as long as people let him choose who his coaches are. Not like the old dinosaur, Tom Osborne picked picked Frank Solich and then said Frank Solich should be in charge, but he got to keep the staff intact, and Bo Pelini and, and Barney Cottinger uh, offensive line coach, the old dinosaur Tom Osborne has to be kept out of the loop if Trev Albert is allowed to make his own pick. He should not go to Tom Osborne anymore. Tom Osborne needs to step aside, and it's not Tom Osborne's fault, but Trev Albert needs to be his own man, and Mickey Joseph needs to be his own man at picking his staff. Thank you, and I'll listen to my re- to your response. Thank you very much, and you guys got a great show. Thank you. Man. I appreciate it. Um, I think the only way that happens, actually, is if Mickey doesn't get hired, that there's the possibility of insisting upon certain people of staying. Um, but also keep in mind that Mickey meets with Tom Osborne on the regular ever since he took this job. So 
I mean, <laughs> he's got some influence because that's his old coach. So, yep. Um, he directly, indirectly, Tom Osborne does have some influence, but but Tom's not. I don't think Tom's going to have influence on who Trev picks or what Mickey does with the assistant. Yeah, I think a lot of the times, John, we overestimate how how much Tom's pulling the strings. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, it, people just want to have you know someone to blame, right? Yeah, and and there's there's kind of one constant through all of this. And that is that, that even though he's not directly affiliated with the athletic department anymore, you know, you always wonder how much a, a legendary former coach, we never saw it with Alabama because bear Bryant died four months after he retired. Right. Right. Um, but we also saw with Devaney, you know, Devaney was Osborne's boss and Devaney never, you know, he, he was the ultimate, you know, Hey, Tom's my coach. And, and never got in the way. Stay out and, of the way. And that, yep. and that relationship worked. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes, sometimes it can be overdone a little bit that Tom is this boogeyman who is still secretly pulling strings behind the scenes. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't think that's the case. He, he, he wouldn't have wanted to do that with his, with a, with a former player like Scott, who he loved and respected. He wouldn't want to do that with Trev, a former player who he's loved and respected. And I don't think he'd want to do it with Mickey. I don't so. disagree, though, with the general idea of of one of the things that's been happening at Nebraska over the last 20 years is uh, just just some general meddling within the athletic department. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm more honestly, I am more worried about the meddling from boosters and the different yeah. and the and, and, and listen, that's a That's a necessary evil that happens everywhere. So it's not just a Nebraska thing. But I think the meddling from boosters with their own separate agendas has been more damaging over time than anything Tom Osborne has done. Yep. That's something that you're always going to have to deal with. Um, yep. In college football and at a big place like this. All right. Chance, John, we did it. We did it. Big red overreaction wow. brought to you by Equal Bank, where we take banking personally. Coors Light, keeping Nebraska chill. And Burton, when you're plumbing certain, just call Burton. Nebraska loses today 20 to 13 to uh minnesota and um you know we got enough final thoughts in there already you guys can listen to our shows all week starting at 6 a.m on monday all the way to 6 p.m and then every day throughout next week nebraska gets michigan on the road next week should be a ton of fun in the big house right john and probably 11 a.m. That's my, my my prediction is 11 a.m. on Big Noon Saturday. Yeah, also, don't forget Michael Severe if you haven't gotten enough yeah. reaction. Michael tomorrow, 8 a.m., Severe reaction. Michael Severe tomorrow at 8 o'clock. We'll find out about that kickoff time maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow morning. Probably tonight. I would guess tonight. All right. John Bishop, Connor Happer, Chance Oliver sending you off on Big Red Overreaction. Enjoy your evening, everybody. Watch some college football. Talk to you later. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.